I don't even think it can be taught. You have to experience that enough times to realize what it is and see it for what it's worth. What is up, everybody? And welcome back to the Schooling Struggle Podcast. It is our belief that the only guarantee in life is that we're all going to struggle. And how we choose to embrace our struggles is what empowers us to become the best versions of ourselves. My name is Pete. I'm a high school teacher in the state of Vermont. And with me is my friend and co-host Todd, Microsoft engineer. What's up, Todd? What is happening, Peter? Good living, good living, good living. For the win. Chatting with you tonight. Yeah, for sure. This is like the, the gift of Mondays. Just telling Todd that every, literally, this is not an exaggeration, every moment of my day is scheduled on Mondays from the moment I wake up at 4.30 a.m. until now when we record at 7.30 p.m. And this is awesome. I just love this. So thanks for hanging out with me tonight, Mr. Ellis. Yeah, T-Doe. Ready to go. Ooh, that rhymes. I love it. Yeah, you like that. So what I had planned for tonight's conversation a week ago is not what we're going to talk about tonight. And the reason why that shifted is because you and I had some correspondence this week that got me thinking. And as I was thinking of that, I just so happened to read a passage in some in a book that I was reading, and I thought it blended well with the correspondence that you and I engaged in earlier in the week. So I wanted to kind of meld the two and truly pick your brain and get your thoughts and perspectives on some of the stuff that I want to bring up here tonight. Lay it on me. All right. So I think I'm going to lead off by sharing with the listeners our text correspondence from earlier in the week. Basically, where it starts is we we just keep each other updated on where we are in the process of producing an episode. So we record, I listen to it, I edit it, I send it to Todd. Our rule is that nothing is published until both of us give it the green light. Todd listens to it. He types up the show notes and sends it back to me. I read the show notes and we publish. And we were just checking up to see kind of where we were along the process this week. And Todd mentioned some stuff about um, some stuff happened at work that was uh, forcing a delay on his being able to get to the show notes. And he finished his text with, I've been scattered. And I responded, now I'm going to read my text response right now. I responded, and this was kind of in the middle of the school day in between classes. I'm scattered here too. I just had a kid sneak out of my class and roll a fitness tire up a a hilled path through the woods to get in it and roll down. Classic move. I definitely would have done this back in the day. I was pissed that he broke trust with me, but he owned it, so I'm good. And then Todd wrote, why were you pissed if it's something that you could see yourself doing? Hypocrisy? (laughs) And he said, this could be an advanced teaching when viewed from within. So I responded, hypocrisy for sure on my end, but I had to explain to him my point of view about how his action reflects on me as a teacher who strives to manage groups of kids safely, but I do need to be better. And then Todd responded, there's a lot in there. How another's actions reflect on you. Is that how you see it reflecting on you assumptively? That is very interesting. And I responded, yep, a lot in there for sure. Could be a solid episode. And here we are. <laughs> and here we are. So I absolutely, oh, it's great. I own my hypocrisy, but I was definitely feeling emotionally charged after the student snuck out of the building and went up into the woods and put himself in a giant fitness tire, jackass style, to film it, to post it, to share with the world. And 
I was a little hot because had he gotten injured, that would have been on me. And I really, really love my position teaching at the high school. And I don't want that in any way, shape or form to be in detriment. So, um, I had a conversation with him. I feel like a conversation connecting with a kid is, is a much better approach than any kind of administrative disciplinary action. So there, there wasn't anything about that. I did have to tell my administration to cover my bottom, but um, they were supportive of the way that I that I talk with the kid. So later in the week, I'm reading in a book and uh, a book by Ryan Holiday called The Daily Stoic. And the title of this passage is Don't un- Unintentionally Hand Over Your Freedom. So now I'm going to read this next piece. Instinctively, we protect our physical selves. We don't let people touch us, push us around, or control where we go. But when it comes to the mind, we're much less disciplined. We hand it over willingly to social media, to television, or to what other people are doing, thinking, or saying. We sit down to work, and the next thing you know, we're browsing the internet. We sit down with our families, but within minutes, we have our phones out. We sit down peacefully in a park, but instead of looking inward, we're judging people as they pass by. We don't even know that we're doing this. We don't realize how much of a waste it is and how efficient and distracted it makes us. And and what's worse is that no one is making this happen. It's totally self-inflicted upon us. So when I read this passage about don't unintentionally hand over your freedom or don't let other people control your thoughts, it was shortly after I let one of my students kind of ruffled my feathers because I was worried about how his actions were going to reflect on me. Yes, I absolutely made sure he was safe and we were all good there and I cared about his well-being. And the conversation I had with him after was very productive, but I was definitely concerned that my principal, my superintendent or parents in the community might see his post and think, well, what the heck is this guy doing? He can't even control his kids and keep him inside the building. And There was definitely a level of hypocrisy there because I was upset, but I definitely would have done it in high school. Um, But it just got me thinking about how what I think about what other people think about me um, is a very relevant piece of my mindset, probably way more often than I think. And we live in a culture where it is, um, what's the word I'm looking for? We live in, for the most part, we live in a hands-off culture where we would never touch someone or um, it's, it's kind of against the, the written code to touch someone, at least in the school, and how strongly we react if someone were to touch us inappropriately, you know, hit us, hit our kids, anything like that, that it's, it's you know, it's almost unthinkable in some, some situations, but the, how often we let people just kind of take control of our minds and how we become beholden to others mentally much easier than we would in a physical manner. I just threw a ton at you, Todd, but to be a man of my word, I have not asked you multiple questions yet. So I'm going to lead off with one. With all that I just shared, how would you respond? What are your initial thoughts to that? That's one question. I didn't didn't stack two there. I want to know what your initial response is to that. I like your awareness on the questions after you bombard me with half of a book. <clears throat> awareness, intention, action. You're learning. Awareness is step one. And you were feverishly writing notes that yep. entire time that I spoke. Yeah, that's impressive. I was, I was. My notes aren't that impressive, only to my own mind. Um, what do I think about that? By and large, there was one thing you you said near the end that we live in a culture that is hands off. And so, if we remove the hands off part, I, I totally agree. Like, um, 
well, even to speak to the hands-on part, like stay out of my bubble. I, I feel like people by and large are increasingly getting more isolated, even in, even like in physical, like six feet apart, <laughs> not, not a COVID pun, but I mean, people are just not as interactive as, as they once were definitely like when I was on the playground, when I was a kid, you know, we were playing tag, we're tackling each other. That doesn't happen anymore. So there is like this cultural norm. I don't know what drives it probably. I don't even want to speculate what drives it. I have no idea. There's probably multiple drivers, but definitely I can see a path where we're we're deviating from my lived experience as a younger child. The most important part that I wanted to bring up about that is you say we live in a culture. And while we do definitely have this culture around us, I think it's a cognitive choice that we exist in this culture and we choose to accept that culture, right? So there are places, there are people, there are um, groups, things, where although it might seem counter to that culture that one might think that we have imposed on us and we must accept that we can be of the other of another way that goes back towards where we came from and so i think all of that is to say that we're a product of our environment to some point and we're definitely a product of the biases and the social norms that that we came up with but through our conversations and through all of these different times that we've talked about these differing topics, I think that it all comes down to the same thing. It's a response. So you responded to the tire. You you know, your admin might've said you shouldn't have a tire in the woods, but that's not the case, right? It's like how you responded to that thing will dedicate, will predicate how you show up to other people. And then the second part of it is how much emphasis we place on how we appear to other people. And we touched on this before, but I think that that's, um, (laughs) <laughs> that's a whole nother episode <laughs> or maybe this episode. I don't know. Yeah. I actually was thinking that it would be, that would be a, a major part of the yeah. conversation All right. in this episode Sure, would be how we let other people's thoughts about yeah. us kind of drive us. Yeah. Yeah. And I think I've gone back and forth and everywhere in between on this is you know, kind of the saying, I don't care what people think. Yeah. And I've met people that say, absolutely, that's the way I live every moment of my life. I do not care what people think. And then I've talked to people who say, well, it's absolutely ludicrous. Even if you think you don't care what people think, you do. And um, my wife is a sociology and psychology major, and it's really oh, interesting <laughs> to pick her brain about this type of stuff. Because you know, she talks about like, you know, an example that we've, we've talked about in the past is people who, who dress outlandishly. And they say, well, I can just... I can do whatever I want. I don't. I don't care. If people think about the way I dress, so I'm going to dress, you know, very outlandishly in, in ways that are not of the norm. And my wife's response to that was, "Well, then you care very much what people think because you want for, for people to acknowledge the way that you're dressing." And um, it's yeah, it's just an interesting, an interesting conundrum. And last week I was just talking to my buddy, and he's like, "You know, I, it's impossible to live your life without caring what people think." And the reason why I want to talk about it tonight is because the episode, the whole thing that happened with the kid, with the tire and my correspondence with you was, well, it was evident through that conversation that the way that the people in my school community view the job that I'm doing is important to me. Absolutely. So I, so I absolutely care what people think. Yeah. Yeah. But, but I often say to my students, the stuff that I cared what people thought when I was your age and the stuff that I care what people think now is two very different things. And I think as my self-confidence has grown, what I worry about people thinking has changed. 
I think that's always in flux. That's always contextual, right? Imagine a high school yeah. kid that's stuck on his phone, right? That's, that's a completely different thing than you thinking about what your admin thinks or you thinking about what your wife thinks or about what your daughter thinks about you. So like, I think it's always evolving. I don't think there's ever a time, although there are, I have seen um, threads that pull all the way through. So like I've, you've thought that for a very long time. And it manifests in a way that I could see it later in your life, but it's because you that one thing was instilled in you a long time ago. So I will pose this question to you in your life, personally speaking, where does that lie with you, what people think of you? And I'm leaving that very broad and general on purpose. Yeah. Um, I'd like to say that I don't care, but I know that's a farce. I, I think, again, it, it depends on context, but... Um, I think to, to some degree, everybody cares a little bit about what other, how other people perceive them. I think that when you allow it to modify the actions or the response that you have, then it's a point for contemplation. And if you can hold that spot to contemplate what it is that you're doing and in response to what and what mechanisms and what triggers, then you have a better, I don't know, um, reflective medium to see what it is that's driving those things. Some people just get carried away. Like, like it becomes so habitual. They pick up their phone first thing in the morning. Sometimes even before they get out of bed, they have to scroll through some things. That's a problem, right? Um, news, like people are, I shouldn't say it's a problem, but it's a, it's a habit that comes from one of these expectation kind of things. Like I try to, I try to not get as hijacked as I know I once did. And I feel like because of that, I feel like I'm doing better, but I can definitely, we've had conversations about my kids, things that trigger me are, are, triggering. And sometimes it's easy to get lost inside of those and then forget about it. And then eventually you're like, oh, <laughs> what am I doing? Like, I, I'm, that's not who I'm trying to be, or that's not what I, you know, not to say should, but that's not what I could be doing that is conducive to my betterment or my success. So, you know, so it's just those moments of awareness more often, but I definitely do still get hooked on things. But how about you? I'm just concocting this in my brain in real time. I haven't really thought about it, um, what I'm about to say before in these terms, but um, you and I have referred to what we define or what we call our values, um, our guiding principles. And I've shared in the past that I didn't create it on my own, but I've heard that is, um, for, for me, I've decided it's to live, love, learn, and lead with a strong mind, a healthy body, and a grateful spirit. And I'm wondering if what I care about what, how I think people see me is based on that, that it's important to me that I think that people view me in that light as someone who's willing to live, love, learn, lead, dot, 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 dot. Um, so I think that could be, if, if I'm saying those are my values, that's what I want to be judged by. And someone would have to observe me to, to judge me or to, um, mm. to assess where I am. It's interesting. You say you was, want to be judged by. Yeah. I don't know if that was the right yeah. term, but maybe it is. Maybe, maybe it is. I, I don't know. Yeah. Maybe assessed is the, the better or perceived as. Maybe that's a better use of terminology. And then I got to thinking as you were responding, is there a correlation between how close we are to someone or how we value them and how much we care about what they think? Like, do we care more about how certain people perceive us than others? And what's the driver for that? So then I started thinking like, oh, the closest people in my life, like my wife, my brother, my parents, my closest friends, do I care what they think more than someone that I've never met hmm. or someone that's maybe a th authority figure in my life, like a boss or a police officer or something. I don't know. I don't well, know. if you think about, if you think about those circles, 
ponder this. What if those people who are the closest are the ones that you don't care what their perspective is? So yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking. <laughs> right. I, I don't, I, I'm going to have to think on this some more to really come up with yeah. an answer to that. Because I think there's an element of safety there, right? Like I can be myself. I can be a jackass when I'm around these people because I know that they won't judge me or, or, and, or I, I know that they have my best interests and they, they know who, what my values are concretely. So I don't have to put those on display. Yes. Yeah. That's a deep but one. on the other side, <laughs> if I screw up in a major way in their eyes, there's a, there's a bigger fallout in my life. Well, it depends on the context. Than if it was someone who I don't interact with on a daily basis. Sure. But yeah. there also might be an equal measure of safety because you're yeah. allowed that buffer to screw up because they know that wasn't intentional or that wasn't what you had hoped would occur. Yeah. So fascinating. Isn't it? Mm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and then it's interesting. You said you're your your boss, right, or your employer, because those things spin out. I can imagine it's easy for me to imagine like your situation or environment at school, like the teachers around you, the people you hope to influence, you know, the collaborators, and then as you spin out, you know, you have the admin and then the district and then the parents and then you know the community, and it's like this nebula, <laughs> like spinning disc of like ex, you know weird. I wouldn't say expectation, but yeah, it's strange to think that. Yeah, uh, this just popped into my head, but um, 16 years ago when I first started teaching, the the guy who was retiring, whose position I was filling, I reached out to him. I said, hey, is there any way I can come meet with you to pick your brain? Just whatever it is you want to share with me as I step into your position, what, whatever you think would be the most helpful for me to know. And <laughs> I went to visit him and he said he'd been teaching for a while and um, he, he had a really, he had a lot of clout in the community. He was very well respected. And he said to me, I'll tell you two things. You do these two things and you're going to be fine. <laughs> Here I was, like never taught in school before. Words of wisdom. Yeah. He yeah. goes, number one, don't ever – we were sitting in his office, which was just inside inside the gym, inside like uh, concrete walls, like no windows or anything. He said, never come into this office with a female student and close the door. He said, always leave the door wide open whenever you're having a one-on-one -on -one conversation with a female student. I said, okay. And he said, and number two, when you go into town to buy your beer, make sure you put it in a paper bag when you carry it to your car. You don't want anyone seeing you carry your your beer from the store to your car. And that was all he told me. <laughs> and I've, I never drank beer, so the second one actually never to say, me. Yeah. But when thinking about if you're going to give any advice to a young teacher, that was what came to his mind was the perception of how he looks in the community. Yeah. So yeah, it matters in some in some way. Maybe he had a brown bag of beer under his desk and he surprised him. <laughs> <laughs> that that I mean, yeah, you can see it. It's so easy to see in other people. That's the that's yeah. the funny part. And it's like I, I, for me it is. I don't know. I don't I don't know about easy is the word, but like if I yeah, I don't know why I said it that way, but but I can definitely pick up traits in other people, but it's hard for me to put a pin in it until I talk to him for a bit. And then it's like, why do you have this underlying tone of like you have to fit in or you must impress everyone or or like where does that come from? It's, yeah, it's weird. You probably see that with yeah. kids all the time. Like nuance well, I mean, of their 
personalities that are like, I mean, whoa, that's different. Developmentally speaking, where high schoolers are, their entire world revolves around what they think about what other people think. You yes. know, like I try to explain to them, like the popularity machine of high school doesn't exist when you leave high school. Maybe in some small colleges, like it, it exists, but not in the same way that it does in high school because no. developmentally, that's where they are. And even see them start to grow out of it by, by 12th grade um, as they're getting ready to leave. But yeah, it's a... It's interesting, but I think with you know the the emergence of social media and everything, I think it's it's set everybody back. Like, yeah. So and now there's dollars attached to it, um, you know, for different types of influencing that people do, and it kind of sets it up at a whole new level. And yeah. I'm sure that there's we could bring somebody on that could talk much more in detail about the the detriments of that kind of stuff as far sure. as it goes. But um, yeah, it's fascinating. Yeah. What what I wanted to bring up was that. How cool I think it is that you were willing to say to me hypocrisy. Like you were willing to share that with me without worry about how I might take that or get my feelings hurt or respond to you in a defensive manner. And when I first read it, I was like, whoa. But I was like, yeah, well, that's 100% true. <laughs> right. And the fact that he's w- comfortable enough to share that with me is a big deal. Yeah. It's, so, it's, a, yeah, it's a strange thing, our relationship. It's, um, I don't think I'd feel. I would. It's well, obviously it's different in person. It, like if it was face to face, it would be. It's a different context, right? So it's like, <laughs> Peter, you're a hypocrite. But I enjoy our relationship so much because for two, for a number of reasons, but two reasons that I can think of in this vein. One is we've only spent maybe at the most six hours together in like physical proximity ever in our entire lives, <laughs> aside from looking at each other on this screen. That's which is not the same. And two is. I feel like all of our conversations, even from the jump, have always been steeped in unequivocal honesty, like to the point of just brutality. But it's not brutality. That's the difference, right? It's yeah, like, I wouldn't yeah. say it if I didn't think it. And you wouldn't just reply with F off because you'd be like, wait a minute, why do you say that? So there's like this reciprocal respect or something in there. I don't know what it is, but I do. I cherish that. So thank you for that. Thank you. Um, it's interesting because in this kind of dives back into the topic but when we first started kind of having some some deeper uh dialogue or correspondence however you want to refer to it communication i was uh very aware of what i thought that you thought of me um really yeah very very aware like oh man like because i've always viewed you as just this really like completely buttoned up um, <laughs> super, super like crazy high intelligence, like deep thinking person. That's like, like I'm like many, many levels. Not, not, I'm not even the same stratosphere with you in so many what? ways. And that's why I can, that's why I love conversing with you because I can learn that stuff. But like, yeah, I was really worried about that. You might see holes in me and wow. like, you're like, Oh, I flew across the country to observe this guy teach and start this program. Like he must, he must have some good qualities. And I was like, Oh, I got to make sure that you see my good qualities, you know? And Interesting. So, so, so we, you know, we continue with the conversation. So because I, because I worked hard for you to, to see that in me, Maybe it worked because here we are, <laughs> you know? Maybe. So, yeah. I don't yeah. think so. Yeah, that's very interesting to ponder. I'm going to have to think about that because, yeah. Did I ever tell you the story about the metaverse? No. So there's a thing coming. It's called the metaverse. So have you I, seen, hear, I hear the phrase all the time, but I have not have done you, enough Have you seen Betty Player One? Have you seen that movie or read that book? <laughs> so I got to tell you something. A couple, <laughs> not a couple episodes, many episodes ago, you said that. You're like, have you seen that? I'm like, no. And you said something like, put it on your list. My buddy called me up the day after the episode came out. He goes, dude, I know you. You will hate that. Don't watch it. <laughs> well, 
<laughs> that may be, but that doesn't mean you can hide from what's coming. <laughs> so I talked to this girl in Brazil. I, I talked to people from all over the globe at, at work, but she was from Brazil and she's she's younger, maybe just out of college. And we were talking about um, art, artificial intelligence or responsible AI. These are hot topics going on right now. And my, or Facebook changed its name to Meta, right? You probably know this. And so now they're using AI and using uh, VR, virtual reality and augmented reality. They're going to create, it's already underway, something called the Metaverse, where you basically plug your headset and your haptic suit <laughs> into a computer and you can become anybody you want to to exist in this make this world of make-believe, right? In a nutshell, that's what it is. I mean, obviously there's technical benefits to it, like medicine and some, we've talked about some of this before. And I was asking her because we were in a meeting um, one or there was a, a bunch of us in a group meeting and we were just talking, you know, it was kind of just like this open session. And we got on the topic of avatars somehow, like um, in the software that we use, we have like, a you know, you can have a picture of yourself or whatever. It's like your likeness. And hers was like cartoony and something, you know, whatever. And I know and then she was on video and I looked at her. I was like, oh, that's interesting. Avatar doesn't look anything like you. And she paused for a minute and she said, well, that's the first one I'm going to be in the metaverse. And I thought, what? In my head, I'm like, oh, that's interesting. And then I was like, can I ask you some questions about that? She's like, yeah, sure. And I was like, so when you go to this metaverse, you are going to be somebody different than you actually are? And she was like, well, yeah, that's the whole point. And I thought, okay, this is going to be interesting. And then she said this, she she explained it in a way that was so relevant kind of to what we're talking about, but also relevant to the way that we're reconstructing reality is that if you log on to go to Disneyland in this metaverse, right, you could be with your Mickey Mouse ears on and, you know, you could look like Minnie Mouse or you might even be a mouse. It just depends on what you're doing, right? But it, it, the same thing applies for if you leave your home and you drive to work, you you, chances are you're going to become somebody different by the time you get to work. If you can't, oh, kudos to you, right? But even then, when you get to work, chances are in certain situations, you're going to be somebody different than the person you are when you got to work. And then you unwind that all the way back till you get home, and you may or may not be the person that left your house. You might be a semblance of that individual. But all of these things would have happened during the day that make you slightly different than who you left as. And and so when we talk, when you think about this topic you've brought up, isn't that interesting how throughout the day based on different search circumstances and different environments that you actually do become different and you give away that piece of yourself for whatever reason you think it is it's beneficial <laughs> to you know don that mask or be that different way in a certain context of real of your reality so I, I thought that was very interesting that she she could not wait until she could be all these different people with you know i don't know what repercussions are going to come from it but um, obviously, there'll be some social ones, but we got back to the story of, well, why don't you just want to be yourself? And she's like, but we don't really know who we actually are ever. And that's where it ended. And I thought, wow, that's a really interesting thought. But it's true if you look at it. Yeah. Yeah. That's wild. Yes. I mean, there's so many thoughts and responses yeah, I weird. have to that, um, the metaverse. But getting back to the non-metaverse yeah. version of us, um, I think it's fascinating that we can switch back to the different, I guess the best way I could put it is the different versions of ourselves um, based on where we are. And we, we can do that without a whole lot of conscious thought put into it. Um, I think a, a good example of that is when I asked you to join me on this podcast journey, you're like, yes. And then we kind of sat down and talked about the parameters and I 
I said, I don't, I don't think we're going to swear on this. You're like, well, that's going to be really difficult for me. And you've only slipped once in 19 episodes. Um, you've, you've, you've done amazing with that. Yeah, and long before I became a teacher, I was a construction worker. And then I also fished for salmon in Alaska. And in those circles, <laughs> I swore like a sailor, I guess, because I actually was one. But, <laughs> but, and, and now when I go home and I see my, my old construction crew, I go right back to that. I mean, I'll go years without talking that way and I'll go right back to that. And as soon as I walk away from them, I'm, I'm not swearing anymore. Yep. And it's just my, my brain can just turn that off, turn that on. And it's really, really, really fascinating how we can do that, you know? Yeah. And I guess, you know, there's these people that live double lives um, or more or maybe even more than that. <laughs> yeah. Right. And subconsciously they can just flip from one to another. It's yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. Yeah, that is, that's crazy. That's exactly what that is. But yeah, so I don't, I mean, I don't know where that leaves us as far as the topic goes. I don't, I can't think I of any. Yeah, like I don't, yeah. I don't have a whole lot of closure in that, except that like, I don't know, through different phases of my life, I've always, especially in my 20s when I was just, you know, quote unquote carefree, <laughs> was I really carefree? No, I just, what I cared about was different. Um, but I was traveling around the, the globe with very little money, um, you know, just kind of, being a vagabond and my thought was well i don't really care what anybody thinks i'm just going to do what i want to do and i don't you know people are telling me i need to join the real world well you know this is my real world and this and that and i thought you know the best way to live your life is to not really care what people think and then i had this conversation with my buddy earlier this week and then this correspondence with you and then read this in the text and was like no like maybe a fulfilled life is caring what other people think or caring what the right people think or caring i don't know I don't even know if the right people is, you know, a, a proper use of what I'm trying to say, but I, what I'm trying to say is I don't know what I'm, where I am with this, where I land on this and I probably never will. Yeah. There's a, I don't know if it's Buddhist, something like that teaching about, um, and I'll probably get it wrong, but I'll look it up and put it in the show notes. It's something about, um, grasping is one of the key elements of suffrage of humanity, right? So the, the harder you grasp onto something, the more you want to be it or own it or, you know, control it. And the more pain that that brings you in, in pursuing that. Right. So when I think about when actually when you were first talking, you were saying something and I thought the, the grasping is like the, is the detriment of self, right? Like that's, that's it. So if, if you can see that, they, that you're grasping to something, you know, typically you'd be like, oh, well that's unhealthy. I don't, I don't need to want to have a million dollars, just calm down. You know what I mean? But something is different between the context of what you think in your head in relation to yourself, as opposed to what you believe other people or what you believe or how you believe you show up to other people. So there's definitely a, a weird transition there, at least in my head. Like, what do I think about myself and what do I think about others? And what am I grasping for for myself? And am I doing that for others? And yeah, it's a very, yeah, I'll probably be dreaming about this tonight. <laughs> well, before you dream about it, I got one more question to finish this out. If someone said to you, hey, Todd, what do you think is the best way that I can manage what I think about what other people think about me? Or how do you manage or navigate how you think about what other people think about you? What would your response be? I think in the end, it really, it boils down to, does it really matter? And I, I don't know how to teach that, right? Because I think that's when you get with age and wisdom of realizing enough times that it didn't matter. But I, it's hard to see, right? Like, I mean, that's that's one of the worst things to see. For example, Ian was here 
just yesterday with his girlfriend sitting on the couch and they're all over each other. And I'm like, EMB and your son. Yeah. And yeah. She's sitting on his lap and I'm just like, this is awkward because it's my living room. And you know, my wife's in there and I'm like, okay, well that's weird. But I know how that feels. Like I, like I understand that. Right. So it's like, there's nothing I'm going to say that's going to, like, I can't just say that's not going to last. Like you might as well move along. You know what I mean? Like it's not going to matter. So it's, again, it comes down to, I don't have a way to, to tell, but I think that it, or to teach, I don't even think it can be taught. It's just one of those, one of those, um, you have to experience that enough times to realize what it is and see it for what it's worth. Yeah. Is it like strive hard to establish your values live out your values and how everything else falls or how everything else lies. That's where we should. I think that that's, I think that that's the way to feel good about it or to accept it. What's going on? Like, am I going in the way that I think I should be going for how it makes me feel? I think that that allows us to better accept our choices or the, you know, what we choose to put our attention on. So, yeah, but I, but values can also be switched out all the time. So it's like, do you have a deep enough awareness to switch those out or contemplate what it would be like without or or with different? So I think it's just the evolution maybe of of experience. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just trying to come up with like a, a way that I can remind myself how to manage this or yeah. how to navigate this. You know, I, I you know, I, I've shared in the past, I don't know that like right or wrong or good or bad are actually like real things in our life. But it's with that said, it's like, well, just do the right thing and let the chips fall where they fall. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think that's fair. Like do what you think is right. You do the best you can. And then, you know, whatever results is the result. I mean, what can you do about it? Right. But I do think that there's a fine line between knowing your response or, or observing it. Like if you're in traffic and you're ticked off, right. Somebody, somebody cuts in front of you, you know, you know, you're, you, you probably know what your likely behavior is going to be like just through time, you get a mad or whatever, swerve and go around. But what you do in that moment, that's the thing, right? So how do you change that? Or do you change that? Does it matter, right? So those are the kind of questions that come up in my mind. How can you be better? Like you were talking about, I don't remember what episode it was on. It might've been all of them. Is like, you know, how do you how do you do the thing that's best aligned with what it is that your intention is every time? Like that's, that's how you know you're moving forward. And I think that's really eloquent. Hard to achieve, but, <laughs> but yeah. very well spoken. Yeah, so, so in this moment, what's my intention? And how can I proceed with that? In the best way, right? To, to be how, the best version of my values or how right, yeah. And how anybody sees that, I have to be cool with it. Yeah, but what happens if nobody sees it? So there's another side to this that my buddy talks about all the time. He says, um, the only thing that really matters is how you think about yourself when you're by yourself, which is another interesting side of it, right? Because then you take all of the other people out of the equation and you're only really worried about how you see yourself <laughs> based on your own values. Now you reflect those back. So, and that's a little more for me, that's hard to wrap your head around, but it seems like a, like a better place to do that investigation is when I'm by myself, what do I really care about without all of that other clutter? Yeah. Yeah. And I guess what I'm trying to get at with this conversation is how do we manage the clutter? Yeah. Yeah. Or where do you, yeah. Or how do you avoid it or yeah, manage? Yeah. Yeah. You know me, I'm always looking for tactical ways. Yeah, you are. You're a tactics man. <laughs> But I mean, that's, that's the teacher in you, right? Like you want to be able to teach somebody something that's of utility to you. So I can respect that. Yeah. Yeah. So follow your values. Yeah. I think that's a good one. Yeah. <laughs> what would the Stoics say? But you got to establish what those are. That's yeah. a whole yep. different episode. The Stoics are funny because they throw out like all these great things to ponder, but 
you know, rarely is there like an actionable, oh, go go be by yourself by the apple tree for 45 days and then come back yeah. and see what you think. Yeah. <laughs> At least I haven't seen it, so I don't know. <laughs> uh, awesome. Yeah. Virtuosity. Virtuosity. Yeah. The ability to do the common uncommonly well. There it is. Boom, boom. Well, listen, everybody. We're incredibly grateful for your ears. We thank you so very much for your time, and we really appreciate your attention. With that said, Pete and Todd, Todd and Pete, the School and Struggle Podcast, we are out. See ya. See ya.